Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another great round of The Hop. Your boys, Gabe and Steven, back in for round 42. Uh, we are mixing things up just a little bit. We are going a little international today. Uh, we are very excited for it. Uh, Steven, how are we feeling? Feeling good. 42. We're celebrating the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy episode, if that means anything to you. It's a little deep, deep reference for the nerds out there. <laughs> We're celebrating the end of Hispanic Heritage Month this week. We're doing all beers from uh, international uh, Latinx countries. I'm pumped about it. Gabe's pumped about it. Gabe, yeah. let's grab a drink. <laughs> Yes, so the uh, end of Hispanic Heritage Month, uh, we are very excited because, you know, um, for our Cinco de Mayo episode, we found really awesome beers from uh, Mexico mostly. And so we kind of, you know, figured why not? Let's uh, let's dedicate another episode to that. Three breweries, four different beers. Uh, we are very excited and, uh, yeah, should be, should be a fun one. And not every beer is from Mexico. We got them from, uh, different places as well. Yeah. And I love going, uh, international. I mean, this isn't the first time we've done it. We had some Irish beers on here. We did, had the German beers. We had, uh, we've, you know, gone Mexico before. I, I just, it's exciting because like craft beer in America, you know, like a lot of things in America, I guess we tend to think of, only what's happening within within the borders of of the U.S. and yeah. certainly the U.S. is is on the forefront of craft beer uh, in a lot of of trends. But there's some great stuff happening in uh, you know internationally, of course, uh, in England and in surprisingly in Mexico. Even in the last like ten years, like Mexico City has gone from like eight craft breweries across the city to like. 80 or 100 so it's yeah. uh it's it's crushing it it's a booming uh let's get the business out of the way and remind you guys if you're not already doing it to follow the ho podcast on instagram and twitter if you follow the ho podcast on instagram you're, you're gonna feel like you know us like you've been with us since the dawn of time I'm just trying to sell the Instagram over here. Sure, yeah, do you think? Uh, subscribe to the show on YouTube. If you want to look at our logo while you listen to us, you can click the bell. Uh, and most importantly, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. You know, you could give us a five star. You could give us a five star and say, you guys are awesome. You could give us a one star and say, please play Mike Breen more often because that's what's missing from your show. And then we'll say... But see, here's the thing. That's easy. We can do that. No problem. Exclamation point! And you turn your one star into a five star. Just We've like that. We've got Mike on retainer. So, like, he's always around. Gabe. Yes? Do you need to say anything before we jump into the news? <sighs> cool. <laughs> Beer news. Beer news. Okay. Uh, leading off, the Brewers Association has released their uh, procedure for filing uh, complaints uh, with regard to their updated code of conduct. This is a follow-up story. We uh, mentioned the updated code of conduct that the Brewers Association released for its members over the summer. Well, uh, they have now released a procedure um, for how to file complaints uh, against fellow members. So the uh, it's a six-page document that outlines procedures for, for filing the complaint and guidelines for how to review, examine, and resolve the claims. Quote, the Brewers Association will seek to resolve complaints in a way that best advances the goals of making the beer industry and society a better place. Uh, while they were at it, they also named the three members of uh, the review board, which they are three individuals uh, chosen by Brewers Association staff for their varied expertise in multiple relevant areas such as law, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and employment practices. So we have Dr. Lenita Gregory Campbell, 
a Los Angeles native. Hey. <laughs> and she's currently the director for the Office for Racial and Cultural Engagement at Emory University in Atlanta. Gloria Mater, uh, she is a principal for Mater and Associates PC. She's a former regulator, having served as the executive director of the Illinois Liquor Control Commission. And we have Jeremy White. Jeremy is a lawyer. He represents a wide range of clients in complex litigation matters in the wage and hour and employment discrimination areas. Sounds like a jolly time. Uh, I don't mean to disparage his profession, but uh, the document is, you can read it on the Brewers Association website if you so choose, um, and complaints are, are go through a lengthy process of review by the board, and ultimately, um, if the complaint is found to be credible, there is also a series of remedial measures outlined, which can include censor, suspension, uh, or termination of membership in the Brewers Association. So, a lot of legal mumbo jumbo, which is easy to make fun of, but it is very important in terms of the overall overall goal, which is making the beer industry a more inclusive, more diverse, uh, more welcoming place. And we stand behind that 100%. Moving right along, uh, Fiddlehead Brewing, the fine folks, they're growing. Uh, earlier this year, Fiddlehead uh, had to adjust to the pandemic. Uh, they put their Fiddlehead IPA, one of their flagships, in cans for the first time. This generated a 25% sales increase. Uh, now they're looking to build even more and build on the growth. The Shelbourne, Vermont-based brewery has announced a $6 million expansion with plans to triple capacity, and they're trying to increase their footprint to three additional states. I don't know exactly what those states are, but you know what state it they're probably not going to be in, Stephen? Montana. Oh, I was, I was gonna say Kansas. This, this is awkward. <laughs> this is oh, we need a we need a Kansas drop. Uh, but yeah, Fiddlehead. Um, good for you guys. Uh, they've definitely been on our radar, um, especially when we were hitting a lot of Vermont breweries. Um, a lot of people, including your brother who, uh, lived there for a little while, definitely was like fiddlehead, fiddlehead, fiddlehead. So, um, yeah. maybe you'll see fiddlehead on a future episode. Probably sooner than later. Uh, next up, uh, beer heroes, uh, the beer Institute, which is another, another trade association, uh, they have named four D.C. lawmakers uh, to be the 2020 Beer Champions. These people were considered champions, quote, for their instrumental leadership in supporting federal policies that aid the success of U.S. brewers and beer importers. The lucky champions are Congresswoman Kathleen Rice, a Democrat out of New York, and Congressman Dan Newhouse, a Republican out of Washington. Dan Newhouse also happens to be a hop farmer, apparently, so Ooh. well done, Dan. And then in the Senate, we have Debbie Stabenow, a Democrat from Michigan, and Steve Daines, a Republican from the great state of Montana. That's two. That's two drops so That's far. That's right. Two Montana <laughs> in one episode. But so, so these people, uh, the Beer Institute is recognizing them for their support of COVID-19 relief for the beer industry and co-sponsoring the Craft Beverage Modernization and Tax Reform Act, which, if enacted, will provide tax relief to brewers and beer importers of all sizes. I would just like to say, I it, it warms my heart to know that with all that Congress is dealing with or not dealing with, they've still found time to sit around and uh, write legislation about beer. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's uh, kind of, it's kind of wild to see because I feel like, you know, it, it is a business and it is important, the brewing industry, but I feel like when it comes to high levels such as this, it's kind of, they're kind of like, yeah, we'll, we'll put that to the side. We'll deal with that later, you know, but it's not the case. It's the one place we cannot look. What, senator is going to get in the in the 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 floor there and be like i don't support beer somebody's gonna throw something at him yes also do these heroes get anything like a cape or something I, because or, or a beer get, can someone buy him a beer i think they just get recognition and uh they get to have a little blurb you can read their blurbs i'm not going <laughs> to read them to you 
Uh, but it's basically like insert their district here and it's just them saying how much the beer industry means to that district. But great to see the Senate is doing something. 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 <laughs> Anything. Uh, PBR is entering the weed water game. Uh, a few episodes back, we talked about um, another brewery in- introducing weed water, which is basically water. a drink with THC in it. Um, PBR is launching in LA. They have announced their cannabis-infused seltzer, a non-alcoholic THC-infused lemon-flavored seltzer. It clocks in at 5 milligrams of THC and is being sold in dispensaries at $24 a four-pack, which I got to be honest, thought it'd be a little bit more. Not going to lie. Delivery is available in certain parts of California, including LA, Sacramento, and the Bay Area. Mark Fakel, brand manager of PBR, told NPR that the launch is going extremely well and that the current challenge is really producing enough product to keep up with demands from retailers. And here are my thoughts. Please lay them on me. PBR. Let's start there. We want to be inclusionary. No shade. But, I mean, on the cheaper beer side, I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, I would say PBR... Yuck. That would be my that would okay, be my Steven went business. there. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> PBR. Then you've got Seltzer. Do not like it. Then you then it's spiked, and I'm like, yeah, but it's spiked with THC, and I don't know whether you're you're a you're a trendy pot smoker or not. I just like I don't know if that like that's not gonna work, is it? Apparently it's they say it's doing very well, but like what? Apparently, first of all, we should say cannabis seltzer is a thing and it's becoming more of a thing. And I'm interested and here's why. Because apparently the dosage, like the way it hits you, it just hits you in a different way than sort of like any kind of smoking or edibles or anything like that. So I think that it's intriguing because... It's the closest thing to like, and there are other breweries that have gotten involved in the cannabis game. Lagunitas has, a, I believe it's a seltzer that they've brewed with THC. There are others. I, that's um, wild. But uh, I am interested in what the experience would be like. It's worth $24 to snag a four pack and find out. But yeah, I was going to ask, like, does it just like... Like, do you take a sip and you're like, and start laughing immediately? Do you get the munchie? Like, what is it? Do you know? I Because I don't. From what I understand, it has an onset of like 20 to 30 minutes, which is quicker than other edible products, obviously. Okay. And, uh, and of course, you can also, like, it's different from just taking a gummy because you can drink half the can. And if you start to feel a little weird, you can, st- you know, you can really monitor your dosage, quote unquote. Oh, so yeah, it's a that's true. Interesting way to like ease people into this. Mm. If you are what what some people call canna curious. <laughs> I like that. Interested in weed. Uh, so I don't know. I'm intrigued. I would I would give it a give it a sip or two. And finally, a return of my favorite segment this <laughs> week in gross. Uh, Affy Tapple, which is the original <laughs> caramel apple. Uh, they have teamed up with Phase 3 Brewing out of Illinois, Chicago area, to produce uh, a, quote, caramel apple beer. It's called a bushel of apples, and it's meant to harness the flavor of an Affy Tapple original peanut caramel apple. So Phase 3 took a traditional blonde ale. They added apple juice, peanuts, and Affy Tapple caramel to create the delicious treat. I may be a little biased because of the peanuts, but uh, no. You read the description and the first thing I just thought in my head was just woof. No. Yeah, no. Uh, I should say, in fairness, that $1 of every four-pack sold is benefiting the Greater Chicago Food Depository. So you should get out and buy it. Support these people. <laughs> buy Support it. Just don't drink the it. Charity. <laughs> it just sounds really disgusting. And if it was anything else, 
I would prefer it. First of all, I, I have a huge fundamental problem with peanuts being in beer. I think we, this is this has been well expressed and addressed. Can't imagine uh, why. We, we will never feature a peanut beer on this show uh, unless Gabe kidnaps me and takes the show over for himself. Uh, it will never happen on my watch. I just, I, it's so, it's like, like I have a peanut allergy and the one place I always felt really confident that I was safe in this world was, was in a beer and that's been taken from me and it feels, it feels wrong. So I'm going to rename my fantasy football team, Affy Tapple. All right. We have to move on. (laughs) I have a toast. Good. Let's uh, hear it. We're going to get into it. Okay. I just wanted to feel like I was at like a nice like festival Mexican restaurant or something while I read this in honor of the episode. Okay. I think that I shall never hear a poem as lovely as a beer, a brew that's best straight from tap with golden hue, snowy cap. The liquid bread I drink all day Until my memory melts away A beer that's made with summer malt Too little hops, it's only fault Upon whose brow the yeast has lain Its water clear as falling rain Homes are made by fools, I fear But only warts can make a beer That is uh, a play on or a spoof of trees, the poem by Joyce Kilmer, if you're illiterate and didn't figure that out already. Indeed. I'm hyped now. want to say up front this episode was really fun because it really put to the test my uh old spanish class oh yeah that's right i really got to put that to use and and i am like i did not how how much of these websites i could read without translating them um so we are starting with uh a brewery out of mexico called cervercia de colima i am going to start off with the colamita lager uh, coming in at 4.2% on the IBUs, we're looking at about 25. On the SRM chart, I would say between like a four and a six-ish. It's got the very light straw yellow, very, very see-through, very, very easily. Mm-hmm. It, it just it looks like a very, very light beer. Um, beer Advocate gave it an 84. On tap, gave it a 3.51. And uh, this beer is made with Pilsner malts, and the hops are, and I'm so excited about this, Magnum, Hollertau, and Saz. Gabe's favorite hop. It honestly is, just because I get to say that. Note from the website, simple and well-made, tropical representation of a German lager is bright and crystalline with a fine white head. With a mild bitter note and a floral hop aroma, this four-time champion at Cerveza Mexico and 2019 gold winner at Copa Cerveza de America invites you to enjoy Colima, the garden that lies under the volcano. So... What I'm interested in as you uh, sniff that is if it's similar to if it's similar to what I would call like a um, Mexican style lager, like a Corona, or if mm. it's more uh, German Pilsner. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of got as his essence of both um, on the nose, definitely getting very like bready biscuit cracker um little hint of lemon in there um which was which was interesting um maybe even a little hoppy a little, like definitely like yeasty and i think that's where that german uh lager uh representation comes through you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Saz, bro Saz. okay so <laughs> It's on the side 
of German Pilsner, more or less. Mm-hmm. But it is tropical. Like, it is a little fruity. Mm. Which, it, it kind of, like, doesn't make sense in a in the best way possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's... Wow, I was not expecting that at all. But yeah, as it, when you when you made the comparison earlier, like Corona compared to uh, the German side of things, I would definitely lean more toward the German side of things. Um, I don't know if I can taste, like I don't know if I can pick out the hops, but maybe it's just because I know more hops better than the other ones. Um, but yeah, it, it's got that sweetness to it. And I feel like, the taste follows the nose and then some. Like it's got the mm. the the breadiness, it's got the maltiness, it's it's very crisp and a little dry. The bitterness is in the back end, you know. It, it's crisp as it goes down, but it, there's like a tropical fruity note that just like tickles the tongue as it goes by, like a squeeze of lime, if you will. Hashtag find your beach. Yeah, no, it. it kind of is like that though it's it's very interesting i i thought this would be just kind of like yeah it's straightforward it's a lager you know next no this is okay all right this brewery is really interesting to me um and i know you have more to say about your beer i'm gonna sip mine while you sit there and dissect just to to get into it since it's from the same brewery yeah um mine is the piedra lista which is a session ipa this one is 4.7% ABV uh, on the IBUs. We're looking at about 41. Uh, Beer Advocate has it at 85 on tap at 3.78. And on the SRM chart, it is like a nice orange, very mm. see-through. Uh, I would call it maybe a 6 or a 7. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a little, sort of, it's a little darker than mine. Yeah, I would call it, I would call it more orange than yellow, sort of but like a light orange color. Um, head was a, about a half inch of, of very white foam, which collapsed pretty quickly into just a ring around the glass and, uh, no lacing. So, uh, the hops that we're looking at in here are Citra, El Dorado, and Mosaic. The malts are Pale Ale, Victory, Carapils, and Malted Oats. So I'm drinking just out of a pint glass and, uh, you know, let's sniff it up. And so I'll be interested, uh, same comparison. Does yours fall on the fall on the IPA side? Does it fall more on like the the simplicity of like a corona side? Well, are, are, you, are you gonna find uh, your beach in there? Uh well I might. I it definitely is more of an IPA just off the nose, I can tell you that right yeah, away. Yeah, I figured. It's, it's uh citrusy, it's got some orange, some mango definitely comes through for sure. Um, not a whole lot of hoppiness. They're there. It's subtle though. And I would say the smell, everything about the smell is, is subtle, which is to be expected. It's a session IPA. I'm expecting, uh, sort of just lighter smell, lighter flavor, lighter drink. Overall, I'm expecting a crushable beer off of this and the Mm -hmm. nose sort of right away tells me that's what I'm going to get. But the mango is really surprising how much that comes through. I was expecting more grapefruit, orange, more of that bitter citrus, and there's something really sweet on the nose, which is which is pleasant. I don't know if it'll follow through in the taste. Citra and mosaic hops, when those mix, I feel like more often than not, we've seen that combo, and then it's led to notes like that. Tropical, yep. Yeah, I would say the taste follows through on the nose 100%. I mean, you mm. get nice tropical sweet citrus fruit up front. You get mango, you get guava mm. for sure. And then um uh across the towards like the middle or back of the palate, uh the hops come through and I would say it's predominantly the Eldorado hops uh to get super nerdy about it that is what I'm getting cuz it's it's a distinct bitter. Um much more bitter than than I typically get off of Citra and Mosaic. I think the curveball here is that El Dorado, and so there's there's a nice little bite. It's not Ooh, nice. a West Coast IPA bite at all. It's nothing that lingers. It goes away pretty quickly, but it's there, and uh, it definitely takes this into the IPA category 
Um, the brewery's description, uh, quote, taking its name from a local legend, a gigantic volcanic rock that invites visitors that slide on it to come back to Colima again and again. This session IPA is a refreshing tropical experience with moderate alcohol content that allows you to live and relive its welcoming, hoppy undertone at any time of the day. So moderate alcohol content. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a translation. Um, but yeah, it's 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 clean. It's dry. Uh, the carbonation is is pretty light. I would say it's pretty light bodied. Um, How easy is it to drink? Because mine I, is like wa- it's it's beer, but it's like water. Like that's how easy it is for me. Yeah. Same, very very yeah. easy to drink. Crushable. Nice. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the beach has been found. Honestly, S- sit me on a beach. I'll be happy with this all day. Uh, and you know, I I've seen some reviews that call it sort of watery. I don't think that that's i i know i just said it's like drinking water but i don't think that that's a fair description of this it's not Mm. watery it doesn't lack in flavor it is uh definitely flavorful it's just not the kind of heavy drinking experience that you're going to get off of a double ipa or even a single ipa it's a a session i mean it's it's 4.7 so that's to be expected yeah but yeah i I'm feeling just to go back to the beach reference. I'm feeling the same way with mine. Like this is, I I feel like, uh, this brewery has maybe a connection with just like the easy going, easy drinking beers, but with a lot of flavor and you know, they are certainly not compromising on anything and that's really great to see. So yeah, they definitely, um, this, this brewery comes out of, you know, obviously as you can tell from the name, uh, Colima, which is a, it's a small state, uh, on the Pacific coast of Western Mexico. So the North border is, is these two volcanoes, one of which is the Colima volcano or Volcan de Fuego, which is an active volcano. And then, uh, there's the beach. So they're kind of nestled between a volcano and the Pacific ocean. And, um, so it is, it's very tropical. It's very, you know, find your beach. I mean, I don't like to keep bringing, bringing them into it because quite honestly, they have nothing to do with this at all. Stay thirsty, my friend. Regardless of what you're drinking, I feel like everyone needs to find their beach. And what beach better than a uh, great city in Mexico where they brew great beer and they have active volcanoes? So you can go play in those. Yeah, it's 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 a really cool operation. You know, this is this is a story like plenty of the breweries that we uh, profile here. Uh, in this country, uh, three friends, Jorge, Andres, and Esteban, um, they wanted to create a beer true to their their local you know heritage. Uh, they got investors on board. They started the remodeling project. The brewery was founded in 2014 in an old soda bottling plant, and they currently have a 30 barrel system, which is that's a decent system. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's I mean this is this is no like mom and pop shop. That's a that's a decent No, they're they're doing it and they're doing it right. So I mean hats off to them. Old soda bottling plant. Why not? And the the beers that they have, I mean, you said that they specialize in sort of easy drinking, and it's like, yeah, kind of. However, also no. Like they have so many dope looking beers. I mean, they have their their year rounds, which um the one you're drinking and I'm drinking as well as a yeah. West Coast IPA, a pale ale, a porter. Uh, but then they have some seasonals and some special stuff, including an Imperial Pilsner. Gabe, we need to get our hands on yeah. an Imperial Pilsner. Yeah. I am fascinated. That one that one sounded dope. It's seven point two percent, but it's a Pilsner. I just don't I don't understand. I don't get it. I need to get it and I don't and I want to get it. So we need to get our hands Another thing on an that Imperial Pilsner. Caught my eye was the I might be saying this wrong. The Tickus, Tissus, uh, it's a, their, uh, creamy headed porter, roasted coffee bean in color. Um, so they're porter, but it looks and sounds awesome. Uh, crusty bread, nutty chocolate, coffee notes, and just one sip. Ooh, baby. I mean, it's like, what kind of beer are you looking for? Are you looking for a pre-prohibition lager? They have one. 
There wasn't prohibition in Mexico. That was in America, and yet they still have one. They still <laughs> explain that to me. They have a goza with plum. They have a, a, a they have sours. They have a barley wine. They have uh, uh, they have IPAs on IPAs. They got all kinds of stuff going on here. Yeah, that barley wine looks dope. Ooh! Every brewery should have at least one sort of epic barley wine inspired drink, if you will. I agree. Every brewery should at least have a barley wine or a scotch ale or something that's been in a barrel. That's just a, a requirement from Stephen. That's based on nothing, but Yeah, man. I I really like mine. I, you know, it's it's simple and easy going, but it's fruitful and it it it'll definitely make you want to crush more and get more. Um but um overall big fan over here. Yeah, you know, I just think it's um, it's actually good that we kept bringing up Corona earlier because the beer, not the virus, uh, because lol, this is just uh, really another. I mean, we've talked about this, I think, in the, in the past, probably. Um, but the the kinds of beers coming out of out of Mexico, I mean, to to have a session IPA that's this good, or a lager like the one you're drinking, and and not be drinking, uh, it's not just Corona, it's Takata, it's you know, Dos Equis, it's all of those, yeah. all of those, uh, which have a time and place like that kind of lager Pilsner thing ha- has a time and place for right. sure. But it's just, it's exciting to see, uh, that there are Mexican craft breweries and, uh, other countries, which we'll, we'll visit with yours in a, in a minute that are, that are branching out into this kind of style too. It's not just coming out of America. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's not like this stuff is hidden either. You know, I, I had, quite a few to choose from, to be honest with you. And I spoke with you about this off the mics, you know, I was like, all right, so I've got this one and then there's that one. And da, 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 da. like, there were a lot to choose from. I found the La Bru, the one we had for the one I had for Cinco de Mayo. I mean, I mm-hmm. mean, you know, they, there are quite a few options out there and, you know, not to go too much into this, but I saw beers from so many countries and it's, it's just great to see that, you know, it's not only America that's doing it. It's everybody. Yeah. Your, if your local beer shop is worth its salt or, or even if it's not, it will have an imported section. I oh, mean, yeah. everybody has an imported section, but if it's remotely reputable, you'll be able to find decent craft beer that's been imported here. I mean, l- listen, are you going to be finding, I don't know, what's the smallest brewery we've ever had on the show? Are you going to be finding the rhythm brewing of Mexico in your local beer stores? No, it's been imported to America. It's going to have a certain level of, like I said, this is a 30-barrel system. This yeah. is no, like, this isn't somebody in their garage. But you're going to find decent craft beer options from locally owned uh, and, you know, or family-owned businesses or what have you that are importing to America. And and you're going to try some great beer, be it from Mexico, be it from Belgium, Germany, the UK, Ireland. I mean, you know, wherever. There's beer coming in from all over the world. So. I, I saw beers from India. I saw beers from Taiwan. I saw beers from Jordan. I was like, wow, okay, <laughs> let's go. And they're all different. They're all awesome. So Kalima Brewing, well done. Hot dog. I already finished my beer. So this is a perfect segue because I need another one. All right, well, let's do let's do number two. Let's do numero dos then. Let's do it. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's let's flip the script here. Let's take a trip to Panama. Uh, that is where my next beer is. Um, coming from Casa Bruja Brewery in Panama. This is the Flower Sour. It is a sour ale with flowers and honey. I'm going to say that again. A sour ale with flowers and honey. Now, I'm not the biggest sour guy. I've recently, because of this podcast, I've gotten more into them. But when I was purchasing beer, I said, this would be cool. This sounds dope. Let's do it. So here we are. 6.6% ABV. IBUs, uh, we're looking at, I would say maybe, oh, IBUs, we're looking at 10. Um, SRM, I would say it's it's very hazy. Can't see through at all. Cloudy, hazy. Um, it's got like yeah. the darkish orange uh, to it. So I would say maybe between like 12, 13-ish in that ballpark, depending on the light, sort of speak, sort of thing. It kind of, it may just be the camera. From here, it almost looks like it has like a pinkish hue to it too. 
like very slight. Yeah, a little uh, bit. Um, let me pale, pale orange. It, hold it in the light. Yeah, I mean it's it's heading. It's like heading in that direction of color if it's like on the rainbow sort of deal, you know. Mm. Um, Beer Advocate did not have a rating for it. Untapped gave it a three point six one. Uh, note from the brewery. A beer with various dimensions of complexity, its fragrant floral character is marked by hibiscus notes typical of a flowered forest, some wood and subtle spicy notes reminiscent of the freshness of ginger, mint, and thyme. Oh boy. In the mouth, its bright acidity leads to memories of acidic and ripe tropical fruits such as pineapple and cape gooseberry. We decided to carbonate it naturally by initiating a second fermentation in each bottle, achieving a delicious effervescence and texture that invites you to have another drink multiplying the opportunities to savor a new note of the unique rainbow that is flower sour and ratebeer.com rated the top 50 beers in panama this one got number 12 as a sour that specific beer yeah this specific one wow um, most not bad. Most of them were from this brewery, but uh, yeah, this one got number twelve. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm I'm very excited. When I read up about all the flower stuff, I was like, "Let's go!" Um, very big, big pillowy head, um, like an inch thick. Lacing is just a tad. It's it's fallen down pretty quickly against the sides of the glass, but it is there on the nose. Oh yeah, I am in a garden with <laughs> flowers and bumblebees pollinating and lavender i do smell the honey a little bit it's got a lot of sweetness um not too overpowering but it's there some of the reviews i read online um said flowers jasmine lavender and chrysanthemum chrysanthemum that's a hard word to say for me Okay, there's the tartness. I think once I started looking for it, it's definitely there. It's it's a, it's a sour, 100%. It's a sour. Um, you smell those esters like on the nose. Yeah, you can definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, very tart. Yeah. It smells a little funky. Um, it's like earthy. It's it's almost a little spicy in a way. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because it's like now that we've done so many be- of these beers, like I – I smell it and I'm like, oh, okay, I get flowers. And then I kind of like force my brain to like ignore that. And then I get to smell everything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's sort of like when you are uh, smelling beer, I find there's sort of like three sniffs really that you can get. Yeah. And you pick up different things every time. And after that, you kind of like, you kind of max out and it's like, you got to move on and, and taste it. Um, but you get about three and it sort of develops over time. You can pick up more subtle things as you go. Yeah. Usually. Um, I am drinking out of a Tiku glass, which I thought was appropriate for the beer. And uh, down the hatch. Lots of carbonation. Very sour. Very tart. But y- drinkable. It's it, You know, it's not like a Sour Patch Kid. It's not going to make you like pucker your lips um yeah it's woodsy floral it's got that like lavender smell and i don't know what lavender tastes like but i can only assume it's this um it definitely (laughs) lingers a little while um the honey is there i would argue the honey is a little stronger on the nose than it is on the taste um Mm. it's 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 almost got like, like cinnamon or something like that in it. Like I, it's it's not cinnamon, but I taste that spicy, like sweet, like layer, and it almost tastes it, it almost tastes like somebody sprinkled something on it, like right before I sip. Like if you have like a cappuccino and you like do a little cinnamon yeah. or brown sugar on top. Well, that's interesting because I was kind of thinking as you were drinking it, like, I wonder what honey tastes like in a sour because it's so, like, honey is so sweet. Sour is obviously sour and the tartness. And what is that kind of, like, aggressive uh, sort of feeling on your palate along with the sweet taste do to the beer? And cinnamon makes sense because it's kind of a sweet but very spicy 
Yeah, it's I, it's not made with cinnamon, Thanks. but that's just kind of like where my brain went. Um, in regards to your question, it's it's I think the sourness boosts the sweet, rich flavor of it. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. I think it does. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean? Like it's it's sour, but like because it's so like funky and different, it just like it really hits those notes really hard. So when you taste it, yeah. this isn't a beer where it's like, oh, I get a little bit of this, a little bit of no, like what you read, that's what you get. Like I am getting the floralness, I am getting those esters, I'm getting the tartness, I'm getting the lingering. Um, the, like I said, the honey is there more on the nose for me than the taste, but it's there. It's weird, but in a great way. Like <laughs> I I'm into it. I I don't know how many of these I could probably drink in a night. I'd probably cap it at one. Um, a note about the brewery very quickly. Uh, like I said, Casa Bruja, um, they've been around since 2013. Um, they are in Panama, and more specifically, uh, the industrial park of Costa del Este in Panama itself. Steven, you'll love this. They've got a barrel aging program. What? Oh, yeah. Um, and they are in definitely in the favor of throw it in a barrel and let it be. They've got one beer that I'm going to talk about in just a quick minute um, that they kept in a barrel. F- they've aged for a year. It's like one of their new signatures. Uh, they have a goal to create a new beer every month. They want to keep it fun. They want to keep it entertaining. And they want to keep changing things up. Um their direct quotes are just saying they make their own twists full of flavor and balance. Um, when they started the factory, they only had four beer styles. Today, they have more than 50 recipes and more than 40 medals in international competitions. One of their funny quote, not funny quotes, but one of the quotes from the site that I really liked was, we create new and fresh potions for anyone who wants to be bewitched. <laughs> so I don't know. That's a direct translation, but I really hope it is because it sounds awesome. Um, uh, Yeah, they are, like I said, they're in Panama. um, But the one beer I had to talk about real quick, I'm sure you'll love this. It is called the Monk's Breakfast. It's the strongest beer they've ever fermented. It is a Belgian barley wine. It was inspired by their favorite style of beer, which is the Belgian Abbey Quad. Um, they age it in a year in, uh, barrels, uh, barrels are their thing. Um, you know, their, their mission was bring art and science together. Um, and that's basically what they do here. It's 12%, uh, 33 IBUs. Um, they've got New Zealand Pacific gem hops and the other hop they have. Tetanang? Well, honestly, nice. It's, yeah, it's, like I said, based off of a quad. And the overall big thing about this one specifically, cane sugar on cane sugar on cane sugar. It is their thing. They throw it in there. Then once it's done, they throw it in again. It's like their their go-to. Oh, I um, love that so much. For sake of time, I'll kind of barrel through the rest. Um, they've got a tap room, yeah. uh, beer on tap and bottles. They've got their own smoker and a smokehouse at the tap room. Um, what? they've got merch stores, they've got tours, you know, obviously once COVID isn't a thing anymore. Um, and yeah, they are really awesome. And I do have to say this beer is very different, very interesting. I think if you don't like sours, I would say maybe stay away from it. But if you do like sours and you want something different, something very sweet and tangy, if you will, Casa Bruja Flower Sour. Well, I'm going to take us back to... Uh, Mexico, and I'm going to uh, Calavera Brewing or Cerveceria Calavera, and I'm drinking their Mexican Imperial Stout. Uh, this one's this one's gonna be a little bit of a doozy. Ooh. It's a nine percenter, nine percent ABV, IBUs are sixty five plus. SRM chart, it's a forty. It's it's Jeff Black. Oh, yeah. uh, it is a. Uh, beer brewed with seven varieties of malted barley 
and spiced up with four varieties of dried chili, Anko, oh Guachilo, Morita, and Chipotle chilies, and five varieties of hops. Uh, the stout is smooth yet full of complexity and rich in body. Chocolate and chili notes of this imperial stout pair perfectly with mole, a classic of Mexican cuisine, which Stephen has never had because they put nuts in it. So, but, you know, no shade. It's it's their food. Uh, so we've got British hops in here and dark roasted barley malt. I'm drinking out of a snifter glass, and I can tell you the head was this dense, tan, uh, very creamy foam that uh, lingered for a while and then dissipated, not getting a lot of lacing off it really at all. Um, on the nose. Malted barley, four variations of dry chili. Oh, my. Yeah, on the nose, you get you get Russian Imperial Stout. You get chocolate. You get coffee. You get caramel, and you get sweet for sure. I mean, dried fruit, cherry, you know, all of the, that complexity that we love in a Russian Imperial Stout is in there. The chilies, you can smell them. Like, you can smell a little bit of, like, chili powder bitter. Mm. Uh on the on the back end there i wonder if there's gonna be heat in there uh we will we shall find out um definitely uh, a little booziness coming off the nose as well at nine percent you you would expect that yeah so on the taste um the first thing you know those sweet taste buds up front they pick up the chocolate right away um as it goes towards the back of your uh mouth it does sort of expand uh, it coats the mouth for sure. It's very rich in the mouth. You pick up those sweet flavors. You definitely pick up cherry and some other sort of dark berry flavors. Um, maybe a little bit of caramel. And then the heat from the chilies. It's not like that red hot pepper beer that we had from from Area 2. Mm-hmm. Like the one that you couldn't handle. The one that I did not enjoy. It's uh, It's definitely not hot in the mouth. There's a heat to it. Mm. I would say if anything, it lingers on the back end, like in the back end of my mouth, it feels like there's a little bit of like cigar or like tobacco, like that Ooh. dark flavor uh, lingers in the back of your palate after you're done with you don't, it. You don't find that a lot in beer. No. Yeah, it's definitely and it's definitely present. It's it's like a, a tobacco, a leather thing um, that lingers again in the back. I don't get it so much on the flavor of the beer itself but it lingers behind after you finish swallowing the beer. Yeah. Hops aren't really, you can't really taste them. What you're getting is the flavor. I will say as far as Russian Imperial stouts go, this one is not like you don't sip it and go, Oh my God, I'm going to need to like sit down for like, this is going to knock me out. Like it's Mm. 9%. It's, it's high ABV, but it's not crazy high IBV. As far as Russian Imperial stouts go, it is on the mid level of that. Uh, but it's a slow sipper if only for the flavor. I mean, there's so much flavor happening that, uh, you kind of need to slow down to just take it in, but it's, it's well balanced. I mean, I like this a lot. It's not, like I said, it's not that hot pepper beer that we had. It's not one of the, and I've had a lot of hot pepper beers actually, Mm. believe it or not. And, uh, this is just not one that you need to be like scared of, or that's like, oh, you know, yeah, this this one sounds like it's more flavor rather than heat. Yeah, um, and this is this brewery's signature creation. Um, it represents a pretty large portion of this their sales. As of 2015, I think it was like 40% of their beer sales were this beer, so it's oh, a pretty wow. popular one for them. Uh, Calavera, Cerveceria Calavera, uh, was founded in, in 2008 outside Mexico City, and it was founded by Gilbert Bjorn Nielsen, this guy is fascinating to me because he's a native of Denmark. Okay, follow follow this with me. He's a native of Denmark. He moved to Mexico with his parents as a young child. He then grew up and went to Denmark to study. And he got, uh, I think, a degree in engineering there. While there, he met his Mexican wife in Denmark. He met his wife who's from Mexico. They moved back to Mexico and now he operates a brewery in Mexico. Wow. So guy from Denmark goes to Mexico to grow up, goes back to Denmark for school, meets his Mexican wife there, and then takes his Mexican wife back to Mexico. That, honestly, it sounds like it was meant to be. I know. Um, so they were founded in 2008. They produced their first beers in 2000. 
2009, they began importing to the U.S. in 2015, and they moved to an expanded facility as of 2018. Their mission is to make good beers that are identified worldwide by their Mexican identity, in addition to promoting a beer culture where people discover experiences and passion for artisanal, independent, and Mexican beer. They say for us, beer is an experience, emotion, and a passion. Culture Trip named them one of the best breweries in Mexico City in 2017. And what I find fascinating is because this gentleman, Gilbert, their founder and head brewer, has this Denmark heritage. Um, again, you find a lot of experimentals in uh, experimental experimentation in the the kinds of beers that they have. Um, and you know, it's it's sort of like he's brewing beer with a Mexican heritage, but he's also bringing a Denmark heritage to yeah. Mexican beer. I mean, you're yeah. seeing it's it's too. You know, I when I think of Denmark, I immediately think of like McKellar. Just because, yeah. and, and, you know, I think of like, if you took those two styles, what do you get? Probably something very complex and very different and very interesting. I mean, if you look at the beers on their site, there's a lot of Belgian influence, you know, from a, a Abbey double, they have a Trapel, they have a wheat beer, uh, they have plenty of IPAs, of course, they have uh, collaboration beers. I like the Skull logo they got going. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the Skull logo is is a big part of their identity and also his wife makes most of the or at least when they started she was making most of the artwork for their oh, cool. labels yeah um so you know it's another beer it's another brewery out of out of mexico that's just like to me just for me really pushing the envelope of what i thought mexican beer was like if i'm being honest i didn't come into you know these episodes that we've done going, oh, yeah, you can get all this stuff in Mexico. I kind of thought, you know, Mexican beer is sort of a, they they do a certain style. And it's just, right. there's so much creativity happening there and so many people that are yeah, exploring these styles that come from all over the world. And, and did the IPA or the Imperial Stout originate in Mexico? No. Um, but is this stout that I'm drinking right now uniquely mexican yes because the chilies that are in here are uniquely mexican uh ingredients and and a beer that you know even if it's a style of beer that i've had before like an imperial stout you take mexican ingredients and put it in the hands of a mexican brewer and you have something that is uniquely of mexico so exactly i I mean they they give their spin on it and they can bring their identity to it it's kind of like with the uh with the black is beautiful i mean everyone's got their base and then they provide their flair and their style and their ingredients so i mean it's it's really great to see that because it can it can open your eyes to things like i said with me with the flower sour you with the with your two beers i mean you know i wouldn't have known about these any uh, anywhere else and now that i do know if i see them i'm gonna be like oh my god let's let's grab the you know and i can for my for the people who like sours like i know that i can point them in this direction yeah i i'm i'm so glad we did this this was uh this was really just refreshing exciting reinvigorating and uh, i highly encourage you to check out all these breweries they are on instagram twitter uh see if you can find their beers in your local stores or or if you can't find these specific breweries colima calavera la bruja if you can't find them uh find something else because you know explore get adventurous people stop drinking dogfish head we love dogfish head but we love dogfish head but yeah explore. try something else go to the imported section stamp uh, your passports real quick between the two, which one's a little bit better? Oh boy, it really depends on on what kind of experience I want to have. Um, I feel the same way because I I got to be honest. I don't know if I can pick a winner. I feel like depending on the day, depending on the time, depending on what mood I'm feeling, you know, I can. Like I said, I, I think I'd pick the. I think I'd pick the Colomita lager just because I feel like I can drink that anytime. Whereas the flower sour, it's like, I think if I have one, I'm done for the night, but I mean, they're both, I, I, they're hand in hand for me. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that I just because of the mood I'm in today, I feel like I want to say the session IPA, but but that again, that's like if I want to go sit on a beach and if I feel like having a slow sipper or or something, this Mexican stout is is the one. I just feel like they're so different. I don't even want to choose. <laughs> that's I I will accept I that. The answer. fifth, Your Honor. All right, we have. Uh, I'll I'll give us like three to four minutes to discuss this real quick before we get out of here. But the the Los Angeles LeBrons. Have brought a championship home to my city, and we're going to talk about it because I know a lot about basketball. Steven, but looking at me, don't look at your computer, look at me. I want you to name three players that aren't LeBron on the Lakers. Go Danny Green, one anyway. The, the tall guy who was doing all yep. the, no, that was and, LeBron. and Shaq doesn't count because he doesn't and the, play for and them the little anymore. white guy. Yeah, <laughs> Alex Caruso, who did his post-game interview shirtless. Like, also, when bef- – so, okay, so for those of you who didn't see, the Lakers blew out the heat for the last game to grab game four. Congrats to the Lakers. I'm upset the Raptors didn't win, but I'll give it to the Lakers. They fought hard. LeBron, and I'm very happy for Anthony Davis. He was with the Pelicans for a very long time, couldn't get past the first round of the playoffs, Went to the the Lakers, joined up with LeBron, and now he has a ring. Good for him. Absolutely deserves it. But um, J.R. Smith, who was notoriously famous for taking a shirt off during the Cavaliers parade back when they won, was shirtless before the game was even over just because that's his thing. And it's just hilarious to me. What I'm pissed off about is that when did they play Friday? They played a game. I guess it was Friday because it was a night there was no football. And I, I, I watched the whole thing. Like I, I don't watch basketball. I'm just like not interested, but every year. That's true. I, I can attest to that. Like Steven definitely watched the whole thing. Cause he, we were Snapchatting the whole way through. Yeah. And last year, because the Raptors were in the finals, I watched the whole finals. I watched every game pretty much of the finals last year. And I watched, Thank you. uh, I watched this game because I I don't like missing real exciting live events. I wanted to see them win the trophy. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, I thought it was a shoe in and they bring this fucking Louis Vuitton box in for no reason, which why it wasn't there doesn't matter. So they bring it into the the thing and like, I'm expecting this win. And then the the Lakers just did not win. And I was like, well, fuck. And now they're going to, and they played on Sunday and honestly, Sunday yeah, and football's on, there was football, but I, I really did mean to like click over and watch it. But I, I usually get alerts on my phone. I didn't like, I did not know. I completely forgot it was happening. Until yeah, it, like, came I was, across. I was flipping back and forth and I stuck with basketball for a while just because I was like, well, it's definitely going to have like they were up by like 28 at halftime. I was like, this game is over. They're going to win it tonight. I, I want to be able to see it. And I went back and forth with football. I think it, it was Seahawks and Vikings. Um, but yeah, the, the, I like that the LA LeBrons, um, <laughs> took another one home. Um, they did it in the bubble. And I just want to give a quick shout out to the NBA because. Yep. They have been the only sport so far to figure it out. They were, they made it work with the bubble. Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner had in, in, in the entire time they were there. The, and I'm, this is a, a legit stat. You can look this up. The entire time they were there, zero positive COVID-19 tests. Zero. No one tested positive, and he also gave raises to some of the workers who had to work extra because, damn it, they deserve it. Yeah, it's really an incredible feat. I mean, you know, I understand. Like, we're not we're not throwing shade on any other sport because these other sports are are no just much bigger than. I mean, to, to pull off a bubble for the NFL or the MLB would be almost. I mean, it would just yeah, be, I, I don't just know be such a massive that. bubble. Yeah. Um, but the NBA really pulled off something incredible there. I mean, you know, and uh, it it set the gold standard. I think what they said on SNL, they should just keep expanding that bubble until the whole U.S. is in a bubble. That would be great but if they could it, just. Honestly, though, I would be like, I'm not leaving the bubble. If I was one of them, I'd be like, can I just stay here? And it was in Disney World, so everyone got to yeah. hang out in Florida for a little while. Um, they're like yeah, these guys so, are these guys are are upset they're tired they've been stuck in a bubble i'm like i'll, I'll go to the bubble i'll help yeah happily go to the bubble and just chill out there um 
final thought, what's hilarious to me is that there were a few players in all sports that opted out that decided not to play. And there was a player on the Lakers who decided not to play. And my question is, does he get a ring? Because <laughs> he played he played with them throughout the season before covid hit so i would assume so but like how hilarious is that it's like no i'm gonna sit out i want to be i want to be safe and and careful and it's like they had zero tests and you weren't there to raise the trophy with your team like that sucks does he still get a ring that is the question looking at you avery bradley right uh guys thank you for joining us for another round of the hop for an international celebration uh (laughs) Love it. Uh, Give us a follow. Give us a like. Subscribe. Do all that stuff. Connect with us. And thank you to everyone that's reached out and suggested beers and stuff like that. We're going to do them. We're going to do them. We're getting to them. We have a... We have a decent long lead list in front of us. We we got yes. a plan. We we write everything down and we'll we will get to you. Don't we you worry. Thank you. you guys so much for joining us. We will be back uh Thursday for another great round. Until then, stay safe, stay well, cast your ballots, and we'll see you soon. Go vote.